Have you ever been excluded from something? Left out? Just me? Okay, all right, so good. Um, I feel a little left out right now. Um, thank you. Um, you know, maybe uh, you saw online, you know, social media, and all your friends got together. You never got the invite? No? It doesn't happen? Okay. Um, well, um, all right, let's take it back then. Maybe um, school, and you got, you, they're picking um, teams for kickball, and you got picked because you're the only one left? Left out? No? Okay, still me? All right. Um, but, you know, no one likes to be left out or excluded, right? But chances are we, we've experienced it in some way, shape, or form over our, over our lives or even today. You know, maybe you were discriminated with um, how you looked or um, with how you dressed, or how much money you had or didn't have, maybe your race, um, uh, your age. And there's all kinds of different reasons why people um, are excluded. Now, it doesn't feel good to be excluded, Unless you have the flu, then you can exclude me, okay? You know, just keep that, keep that somewhere else. Um, but we hate it when, when we do feel left out, when we feel excluded. And, and here's what happens. Yet, so often, we do it to other people. Now, Christianity is a crazy thing because um, among all the other beautiful facets of our faith, this is something that's meant to be for everyone, like, that's, that, that, that's God's intention. It's meant to be for everyone who believes in Jesus and chooses to live for him. And yet, sometimes we act like we don't know that. And maybe you're here, maybe you don't know that. So, so today, here we are kicking off this series um, on the book of Romans. We're calling it the Gears of the Gospel. And, and um, we just want to see how the gospel works. And it's been said that Romans is the fullest explanation of the gospel. And so, so we're going to kind of spend a couple of months just kind of looking at some of the big themes. We can't hit everything in just eight weeks, but uh, we want to see some of the big things, some of those gears that, the, of the gospel. And, and here's the thing. We're talking a lot about the gospel. What does the gospel mean? Gospel means good news. Now, this wasn't a particularly even religious word back in, uh, in, in um, you know, ancient times, right? But it was a word, this good news, um, that was, when we talk about it, and in relation to Jesus, we're talking about the good news that's found in connection with Jesus and through his saving work. Like where Jesus came and, um, as the good news, saving his people uh, through the work that he did on the cross. Now, um, so here we are, Book of Romans, Gears of the Gospel, this this explanation of the gospel. So before we get into any text, I want to spend just a couple minutes talking about the book of Romans because we're going to be in this for um, a few weeks. So, so Romans is a letter from the apostle Paul to the church in Rome. Okay, that's right, in the church of Rome. And so, so Paul, the great missionary, the great church planner who, who traveled thousands of miles by foot and by, by sea just to go spread this message of Jesus, the gospel, okay? Um, he is the one who's writing this letter to the church in Rome, you know, the, 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 the capital of the whole empire. Now, Paul did not start the Roman church, nor at this point had he visited with them, but we know he knew, had a bunch of connections in the church, and you can see later in the letter that he gives a bunch of shout-outs, you know, to some people he knew. Uh, he knew. And so, um, so Paul's letter to the Romans is, is written uh, to the church, and here's something that you, you, we have to understand to understand the book of Romans. It was made up of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. 
And so what that means is Jewish, Jews were the people who, who uh, um, that God had communicated his, his will, his word, and himself to his, and his plan to these people. They were God's people, and uh, he ultimately sent Jesus through, uh, through the Jews. And so you had these, this body of Christians, who, people who accepted Jesus, and um, then you had Gentile Christians. Those were the non-Jews, okay, the Gentiles. Those were, from, from a Jewish standpoint, they were outsiders, okay? But uh, they, they came to faith in Jesus. And so this church is made up of these, these two groups, and it's more nuanced than that, okay, um, but, but for, the, for the large part. So the church in um, Rome was likely started from Jewish Christians, okay? And so uh, early on, there was like persecution, and uh, there were several events and things that happened in Jerusalem, and people would expand, and, um, and they took the message of Jesus with them. And so you started seeing churches pop up in different places and so Rome was was one of them and, and here's the thing these Jews okay they would have been familiar with God's promises they they knew God's word the our old testament the Hebrew scriptures they knew his promises and his prof and a lot of the prophecies and they would have been the backbone of this Roman church, okay? I mean, they were the ones with the spiritual heritage. They, uh, it probably started with them in, in Rome. So, so they would have been the backbone, probably would have been the leadership of the church, the stability of the church. And, but then the church, as the church grew, this message of Jesus expanded. It would have included Gentiles, non-Jews, and, and they had their own set of backgrounds and religious practices and, you know, be it pagan, and they were pro probably largely ignorant of the story of God as in the scriptures, and, but they still trusted in Jesus, so they're part of, this, of the church. Now, at this point, we need to understand a little piece of history, because in 49 A.D., Emperor Claudius, he expelled all the Jews. There was some issue, and so, and so to prevent more issues, uh, expel all the Jews from Rome. Okay, big deal. And this would have included the Jewish Christians, part of those Roman church, right? And so, so they're expelled for a few, several years, and then several years later, they're allowed, Jews are allowed back in. And so they come back to a church that was once um, started by them, led by them. So they get back to a church that looks a whole lot different, and it's lost probably some of its Jewish elements. It's lost some of their style and their heritage, and, and they came back to the, this gentile church that was living out their faith just probably a little bit differently and so there's this conflict here because the previous faith background of each group you know of uh, the uh god's people and then uh this pagan group and now they've 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 come to jesus and and so christianity was born out of the people that god had set apart and so there was this superiority that the jewish christians had okay their faith, their traditions, and their heritage. Now, the Gentiles, on the other hand, had pagan backgrounds, and their traditions were completely different, and much of them antithetical to, to, to who God is and God, what God called them to be. Now, the problem was this, that the religious the Jewish religious rites and practices and, um, and, and they're going back and forth on, on what the church sh should look like. And, and so Paul steps in to mediate between the two groups and he's saying, look, here's what you need to know. The gospel, the good news about Jesus is bigger. 
The gospel of Jesus is bigger than, than, any, than, than this issue that's dividing you. The, and the gospel of Jesus is bigger than your differences. And so we have division, and, and, and we have people thinking that they are better than each other. We have people struggling to see how the gospel works in this situation. And, and I'm just so thankful when I read about these stories that, that we don't have any division in our culture today. You know, isn't that just a sigh of relief? You know, but, but this was a driving force. This is one of the reasons why that Paul was addressing when he wrote the, the letter to the Romans. In the process, he lays out this gospel in order to show how, how uh, th their identity, who they are, and how they are united through Jesus. And this is, this is where I can say, I love our church. You know, we're not a perfect church. We never claim to be. We have the rule, no perfect people allowed. That includes your pastor and your leaders and, and includes your church, okay? But, um, but one of the things that uh, we see a lot that I think might just subtly add to division is, is when we start to use clarifying words. Like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a blank Christian, okay? That's not blank as an expletive. Expletive is, is blank as a descriptive word, okay? But uh, any, any descriptive word we can use <coughs> is often a disunifier. Like, uh, we'll say things like, I'm a conservative Christian, I'm a liberal Christian. I'm a progressive Christian. I'm a young earth Christian. I'm an old earth Christian. I, I am a, a Trump-loving Christian. I'm a Trump-hating Christian. And we could keep going on and on and on. Then you look at denominations, okay? Like, then you have, I, well, I'm a Baptist Christian. I, I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a Similes God. I'm Methodist, Presbyterian. You know, you can go on and on all day with those. And it's one of the reasons why I love the movement that we're associated with, the restoration movement. It's represented often by independent Christian churches because while we're a loosely unified group through churches and organizations and missions and colleges and stuff, there is no denominational head dictating from afar, okay? So, so when we say we're Christian, that, that's all. There's, there's no other words that we need to say to add to that. We're Jesus people, okay? And so what kind of Christian are we? Yes, all right? And so there's a, a slogan that, uh, that often we'll use is, is we are Christians only, but not the only Christians. Now, this is a crucial moment in which Paul is writing uh, to the church in Rome, like the drama between two groups, okay, the differences they're clashing, and, and the Jews on the one side with their history, with their legacy, with, with the Hebrew scriptures on their side, then the Gentiles on the other side um, who were also recipients of God's grace through Jesus. And, and Paul's reaching out to remind them who they are and, and whose they are um, through the gospel um, that saved them. So here we go. Uh, we're going to start in Romans 1, 14. We're going to be skipping a lot because we're, we're trying to cover a whole lot in just eight weeks, but... Romans 1, 14, um, after introductory matters, okay, Paul kind of gets to the heart of the letter, okay? He's, here he says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I'm eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. And so here we have this explanation of uh, this letter which, to Rome, essentially Paul's explanation of the gospel, this good news about Jesus. 
and, and how it impacts uh, our lives and how it unifies uh, believers together. And so this, this passage here is kind of viewed as the theme for the letter. And, 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 and Paul says that this gospel, this good news, is the power of God for salvation of for who? For some that believe? No, for everyone that believes. And so, so this is the first gear of the gospel that we're talking about today. The first gear of the gospel is this, that, that this is for everyone. That this, this Jesus thing, this grace, this God's plan, God's story, this is for everyone who believes. And it begins with the problem that the Jews and Gentile Christians have causing this division among them. We have two distinct groups, and, um, and you have clarifiers starting to be added before their identity in Jesus. I'm Jewish Christian. I'm Gentile Christian. Now, the Roman church faced the same challenges that the modern church faces. They're, faces. They're filling in the blanks, and it was causing divisions among them. And so, and so the Jewish Christians in Rome believed in Jesus, and they also believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of their Jewish faith, which, which they were exactly right. But they also believed that any non-Jewish person could now also come to faith in Jesus. But they, first, they had to kind of come through the, way of the door of Judaism. They had to be a good Jew first, and, and they, they couldn't just come straight to Jesus. They had to kind of follow through the path uh, of their Jewish faith. And, and so this meant... Several things. It meant following kosher dietary laws, right? So that means like these, these, these Gentile Christians, oh, you want to be a Christian? Then, then you need Jesus, but you also have to, there's some things you can't eat, okay? You can't have any more bacon, no shrimp. And a lot of you guys are right now like, oh. Now, I would like to think that if that was God's call in our life. We would say, okay, you're God, you're, you're supreme, okay. But, but thankfully, that, that, uh, we're not bound by, by those dietary laws today. And how about this? Here's another one that they were expecting, circumcision. And so on Circumcision Sunday, man, the pews were empty, okay? And so, uh, like, guys, all guys everywhere, oh, man, I got a fever, oh, flu, I got a case of the flu. And so can't show up. It, there was no Circumcision Sunday, okay? But... Um, <laughs> It, it was Saturday service, but um, as you would suspect, it would be a very unpopular opinion. And uh, other things like different religious days and festivals. And so the Jewish Christians thought for the Gentile Christians, if you're going to be a Christian, then you need to do all these things that we have to do as Jews. And so tensions were were high and um and and although jesus said clearly that these were no longer part of the salvation equation and so there's these fights that lead to division and, and that's the context of the book of romans of what's going on and this has been happening <clears throat> the good news is the gospel is greater the gospel is greater than any differences that we're going to try to divide us like like the gospel is greater than, than anything that's going to try to separate us or keep us from, from uniting. The gospel is bigger than any difference that we can imagine or dream up. Like Paul, it says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Like I'm going to declare this from in the, in the prison cell. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, proclaim this on the streets. I'm going to proclaim it to the Jews and to the Gentiles, to the male, to the, to the uh, uh, female, and to the servant and to the slave, to all the way to the emperor uh, uh, of Rome. I'm going, to, I'm going to proclaim this. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone 
everyone who believes. Picking up verse 20, uh, he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may, may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Like, wow, this is strong language, right? God, we're talking about wrath. Like, we don't like that God. We don't like the wrath part, but we like the happy God. We like loving, and we're not, gonna, we're not singing a whole lot of songs about God's wrath, right? But, but we like his love and his forgiveness and his grace. And, but Paul says, whoa, God is not happy with our rebellion against him. And we could say, well, that's not fair. Like, like we're without excuse. Like, not everyone has heard about Jesus, I can't believe in a God like that. And not everybody uh, will, will, can, can know about God. Not everyone can hear about Jesus. And Paul says, no, 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 no. God's wrath isn't for what they don't know. But, because, but it's what you do know that God holds us accountable for. And he says, look, you can look at creation. You can look at the world around you and see that there's order and that there's beauty and that there's a truth and that, that, that there has to be a divine being who created that, that there's order to the universe. And you, you can know that God exists. You can know that there's a general morality uh, from your conscience. And, and so uh, God holds his people accountable to what has been revealed to them. Verse 121 says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So we are all re responsible for responding to the amount of revelation that we have received or have access to. And then Paul goes on talking about idols and, and how, uh, <laughs> you know, just, just people have rebelled against God and, and rebelled with what they can know about God and start creating idols. And you see over and over and over in the Bible, the Bible kind of always addresses idols in a really sarcastic way. God's like, huh, you made that? That's cute. I made a universe, right? But he's like, you carved that out of wood. You, you cast that uh, into, out of uh, metal, you, you carve that out of, out of stone, and why would you then worship it? But that was, that was something that they would do. That was something that was com a common religious practice for the pagan Gentile, um, uh, their culture. Now, today, like, we, we probably don't have any, like, idols in your house, you know? Like, you don't have statues of eagles or totems or different things like that, but, but I think we still are very much... Um, very much building idols in our own lives. You know, we do create things that we that we tend to worship. You know, maybe for you it's like having a really nice house or uh, unhealthy debt for more stuff or or maybe uh, just addicted to screens that take up huge chunks of your day or substance abuse or overeating or 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 you're um, having the the quintessential perfect health you know with your body and we pick whatever it is pick, pick pick your idol and uh fill it in the blank right 
But what we don't want to do is we don't want to ignore God because we're paying attention to something else. All right? And so verse 24 and 25 says, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. So as, as humanity, they were worshiping created things over the one who created it all. And, and then Paul lists this long list uh, of ways that humanity has missed the mark of God's standard. I mean, the list, sexual immorality, wickedness, evil, greed, envy, strife, murder, deceit. And, and the list goes on and on and on. It's pretty lengthy. And Paul isn't just cherry picking and hating on certain sins and, 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 and people, but he's highlighting how far humanity has moved away from God. In short, he's, God's saying, okay, you want to ignore me? You want life without me? You want to worship created things and serve yourself? Okay, I love you, but I'm not going to force you to honor me. Now, notice up to this point, th this is addressing kind of like the, the Gentiles, okay? The people with the pagan backgrounds, okay? And this is what their life looked like, and this was one of the, <clears throat> the issues, right? This was their past, and in some of them it was still their struggle present even. So, so um, this big case is made about the Gentile condi condition, and after all, there was division. Division. It was us versus them, okay? And um, the Jews versus the Gentiles. And, and so, but notice what Paul does next in um, chapter 2. He shifts and points towards the Jewish Christian crowd now. He says, you, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. <clears throat> Verse 5 says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant, unrepentant heart, you are storing up God's wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Paul's saying, hold on, wait a minute before you get all judgy. Like, yes, the, the, the Gentiles, they were dead in their sins. <clears throat> they were completely dead in their sins, and they were uh, shaking. They were awakening God's wrath. But you, man, you've been given God's law. You've been given God's law, a special relationship with God, but you're still doing the same things. And so what we have is these two groups the Gentile, their past, they deserve, they're shaking up God's wrath. And, well, the same word is used here to the Jews that you yourself are storing up wrath against yourself. The same wrath is being revealed about the pagan Gentile idolatry is welling up to the Jewish unrepentance as well. And we see this, that th this is our human condition. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, where you grew up, what you did, what, you, what your background was, what your status is, what your uh, race is. It doesn't matter anything about you. We are unified by our, our common need for a Savior. This is all of us. This is our human condition that we all need God. It doesn't matter who your parents are or, or the good that you've done or, or how much you make or whoever you are. We're all in the same boat. 
spiritually in desperate need of a savior. And Romans two kind of expounds on that how how uh, how we're all on this we all need God. It doesn't matter doesn't matter which 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 perspective you're coming from. And Romans three twenty two and twenty four says this right uh, through twenty four says this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all. Who are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Notice the word all was repeated in there several times <clears throat> for, for all, all who believe. Like this, this is the good news for all who believe. And he says, All have sinned. All have sinned. Doesn't matter which camp you're from or, or which side uh, you're from, you know, all have sinned. But all are justified through the work of Jesus freely. So we all have our own baggage. We all have our own brokenness. We all have our own sin. We all have our own struggles. We all have our own mental and physical pain. But those things do not define us if we wear the name Jesus. All of sin. You Gentile Christians, ex-pagans, Jewish Christians, you know, and everybody in between. But also that same all, all who are, are freely justified by his grace through the work of Jesus on the cross. That's God's redemption. And redemption, man, is, is beautiful. It's where God, uh, God brings us back. God brings us back. It's a uniting. It's a, it's, it's a um, it's a homecoming. It's where God brings us back from our rebellion. God's plan to squelch his anger towards our rejection of him. And so now we come to him through faith, trusting in Jesus. And so while our human condition desperately needs a savior, we see this good news is this, is that the gospel is for everyone. And here we sit today, it's easy to say that um, that the Romans, um, you know, the, the pagan Gentiles need a Savior. It's easy to say that the judgmental, uh, hypocritical Jews need a Savior. But sometimes we forget that we're in the story too and that we need a Savior and that I need a Savior. And, and sometimes it's so easy to look at other groups or other people or other types or other, other qualifiers, right? And to just judge them. But we, when we do that, we lose how much we need a Savior as well. And one of the things that Paul is confronting was the division that stemmed from that. That the gospel is bigger. That this good news about Jesus is bigger than anything that will try to divide people. And now, it's much bigger than any clarifier we can add. It's, and God calls us to come um, to him through the person and work of Jesus. And, and we, we don't need to qualify that. And while we like to segment and, and qualify every group and categorize and, and, and border and, and all this stuff, it's the work of Jesus that, that obliterates walls and tears down walls and brings us together. And, and, and we, can just, we can just come to peace with this, that you're not better as a Jew, as a Gentile, but it's, you're in the same boat. Now, right now, here's what I want you to do is um, I want you to take just a, a few seconds and think of is there a way that you've been qualifying your faith? 
Is there a way that you've been qualifying your, qualifying your faith? Maybe you haven't do it, done it verbally. You know, I'm a blank Christian. But, but what have you been filling in? Is it related to the style of church you attend? Is it related to uh, a style of worship music? Is it related to, um, is it related to a, a type of preaching? Is it related to politics? Is it related to your past? Is it related to your education? Is it related to uh, the ways that it separates you from everyone else? And we can take a second and we can think, what are some ways that I've been qualifying my faith? And when we start to clarify, when we start to qualify our faith, and we usually start to judge those who do so differently, and we exclude. Why? Because we think we're better, and how we think they're worse. And we find ourselves in the same situation as the Roman church. And so really, it's a human condition. It's a human condition. While no one likes to be left out, that in, in reality, we also like to be on the end and, and leave other people out. But our human condition is that we're sinful and we are in need of a Savior. And check this, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, puts us all on the same playing field because it is for everyone.